and unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good evening on this summer evening. From the various places we find ourselves, <laughs> looks like many places. You know, I was reflecting that um, just a little less than a year ago on site, we had a uh, eye-opening ceremony. Remember doing that? as an acknowledgement of our return to in-person practice. And I've been reflecting too, um, you know, during these two years of our practice being on Zoom and then gradually returning to in-person, uh, we also have, in the early stages, had uh, a simplified version of service, not knowing how much room people would have at home to bow and so on. Uh, and gradually we have returned to our full expressions of our temple rituals, bowing and chanting together, of course, still with a Zoom option. To me, it is now more than more evident than ever that the temple life is training for life outside the temple as we're bowing together and making the effort to notice each other's timing and chanting in harmony and you know the body begins to remember oh this is what it feels like to coincide our actions with the sound of the bell or kind of a gentle awareness of moving as a community and what i feel is happening when we're doing this is that our capacity for attending to the world beyond our small concerns increases. Now we have an expanded view for finding what we call an appropriate response. So I'd like to place this uh, gradual return to our temple rituals and the training that that is squarely in the conversation of the what i've been talking about now for a couple of months the bodhisattva's four methods of guidance or sometimes this is translated as uh, the ways in which bodhisattvas embrace living beings I bet you'll remember that the first three are giving, and Dogen defines that as non-greed. You could study that just that much for a year or more, <laughs> giving as non-greed. But the second one, kind speech, and the third one, beneficial action. Tonight I'd like to speak about identity action. And I feel that it is exemplified by the way in which we uh, bow and chant together 
as one body. The forms of practice have value for gathering presence of mind while in activity, while in activity not just alone but in relationship. And I'd like to make reference to something I've read recently from Suzuki Roshi. I'll read it to you. Calmness of mind does not mean you should stop your activity. Real calmness should be found in activity itself. We say that it's easy to have calmness in inactivity. It is hard to have calmness in activity. But calmness in activity is true calmness. I feel that as when my body is stable, kind of my perceptual field widens and I'm connected. This is calmness in activity and calmness in relationship. So I would like us to draw some attention to, in theory and in practice. <laughs> you know, in theory, this is something we chant about every day. Uh, our life is, we chant that we look for compassion, we seek intimacy with all things. For example, in the Heart Sutra, with nothing to attain, the Bodhisattva relies on Prajna Paramita. You know, that translates as the perfection of wisdom. The Bodhisattva relies upon the perfection of wisdom, and the mind is no hindrance. Without any hindrance, there is no fear. We chant this on a daily basis. Yeah. Or we could say, as in the Song of the Trusting Mind, at the moment of turning the light of awareness round, there is going beyond appearance and emptiness. The changes that appear to occur in the empty world, we call real only because of ignorance. So this intimacy with all things, uh, beyond what the mind can think. Also, this one struck me like a lightning bolt now more than 35 years ago walking on a path at Tassajara from the Jewel Mirror Samadhi. It is like facing a jewel mirror, form and image. I can hardly speak it without crying. Form and image behold each other. You are not it, it actually is you. This is the intimacy that we chant about on a daily basis. And yet, in the painful reality of our daily life, uh, we forget. And this, uh, without any hindrance, no fears exist. What is that hindrance? Or as uh, Reb Pine translates that, also kind of a grab-you-by-the-heart translation, uh, without any hindrance translates as, without walls of the mind, and thus without fear. What a tremendous gift that phrase itself is. So what is this practice all about? What is it that we're doing? You know, we're in some ways following our hearts, um, following our hearts, not, uh, 
not to freedom, but following our hearts on the path of freedom. This is the wisdom of seeing things as they are. And this itself leads us to compassion. And sometimes we use the elders of our school. We turn to the modeling of Shakyamuni Buddha, his own awakening experience. And this be, we turn this now, uh, reflecting our own aspiration to live an awakened life. It's not that we seek the awakening experience. It is truly that we seek to live an awakened life. And the long line of ancestors, women and men, who have carried this forward are before us as models. So we sit in silence with the pain of the world. And based on this um, true calmness, we're able to find an appropriate response. So the forms of practice help us uh, develop the capacity for this true calmness. Um, Dogen expresses it as body and mind of self and other fall away. So, when this occurs, the heart is open to that vast horizon, you know, uh, and we, from that position, um, the little self doesn't block the view of things as they are. It's not that the little self stops existing. Uh, it is simply that the little self doesn't block the view. There we are, fully present with each breath. And there's no trace. This is Dogen talking about no trace of realization remains. And this no trace continues endlessly. So that there's no trace left of that little uh, I, me, mine, trying to gain something or grasp something or compare something. Uh, the no trace. In the early years of Tassajara, there was something called the no race, and it was spelled N-O-H, no race, up to the top of the ridge and back down no race and a visiting scholar called it no race no trace <laughs> another memorable phrase so the forms of practice practicing in community uh, support us to um, be released from this i me mine and rather to experience the embodied connection. And sometimes when people come to practice, um, there's some question about why do we have to be so um, stuffy? <laughs> why do we have to be so formal? I'll give an example of a formality that we actually don't do but that does happen in uh, some residential practice places. You know, in some places, um, people put their shoes down in order, the most senior person, and then the next senior person, next and next and next and next. And so 
partly that is connected to in some residential practice places when people leave the zendo they leave in order the senior people leave first and so on so they're just picking up their shoes and it goes like dominoes right along the line right so it's not about the shoes it's a it's about relationship it is about saying yes i'm going to place my shoes right here carefully because i know your shoes are coming soon you know it's like it's a statement of relationship and when we bow together and chant in harmony we're we're making the effort to express our commitment to relationship dogen talks about these regulations those who have a way-seeking mind and wish to abandon fame and profit should enter when the way-seeking mind is aroused inwardly there's immediate freedom from frame, fame and profit. This is Dogen now talking about the being released from the petty concerns of the small self. And again, I underline, it is not that the small self goes away, rather that it just becomes not an obstruction. In this uh, teaching from Dogen, there is a long list of things to not do these are the formal practices. Do not put your heads together and talk loudly. Do not carry or hold beads. Do not wear brocade. Do not enter the hall intoxicated. <laughs> Do not read books in the hall, even Zen texts. Do not be concerned with the faults of others. Do not enter the hall smelling of onions. Do not play around according to your own impulses. So these are there's a long list of things to not do. And then summarized, you should wish to be serenely composed for your entire life and to practice the way non-intentionally. This serenely composed that Dogen talked about is the same thing I believe that Suzuki Roshi was talking about calmness in activity is true calmness <clears throat> so if Dogen gave us this long list of do not do not do not we actually then have to ask ourselves what well, well, therefore what should we do <laughs> what is the appropriate response and I'll remember for you, back to the uh, beneficial action. Dogen talked about it this way. Students who would like to study the way must not wish for easy practice. If you seek easy practice, you will for certain never reach the ground of truth or dig down to the place of treasure. On the other hand, breaking bones or crushing marrow is not necessary harmonizing the mind is most difficult the practice of prolonged austerities is not necessary but to harmonize bodily activities is most difficult so Dogen here is giving us the way to to put salve on the difficulties <laughs> saying 
that students should know that the Buddha way lies outside thinking, analysis, prophecy, argument, knowledge, and wise explanation. This now an indicator of Dogen's humor. He was funny, <laughs> says, if the Buddha way were in these activities, who would not have already realized the Buddha way by now, since from birth you have perpetually been in the midst of these activities? <laughs> that to me is just hilarious. Great, we should know by now. Uh, prophecy, analysis, argument. So, nothing other than sitting zazen, practicing the way, and studying. This is the triple treasure right before us. Sitting zazen, experiencing our own true nature. That's what we're doing. Buddha, that's the Buddha part of the triple treasure. Dharma is the study of reality as it is, or the study. When we're doing recitations in service, when we're reading, when we're examining our own lives, that's study. Study, that's Dharma. The third then of the triple treasure is Sangha, and this is what we experience as uh, participating in a supportive community and supporting each other. If it's a rule to put your shoes in order, we're going to put our shoes in order because this is an expression of my wish to be in relationship with you. We bow together as an expression of relationship. So the triple treasure is the core of what we're doing. And studying the self, you know, many people come to practice in order to become, I would say, more patient or more kind. And those things are, in fact, the fruits of practice. But we're not studying the self as a self-improvement project. We're studying the self to forget the self and to merge with the myriad things, as Dogen talk, teaches us. What we're doing is tending to our own inner ecology. And then uh, with this calmness in activity, able to turn and meet the so-called external ecology. What we're doing in the modern way of speaking it is we're um, learning how to stop othering, creating others. We're learning how to stop doing that by sitting with our own uh, stable and clear presence. It is crucial to extend uh, sincere effort. And in doing so, what we're doing is expressing um, kind speech, loving words toward people. This is an expression of our actual hope for people, for each other, ourselves included. Um, Domio Burke, a teacher in Oregon, expresses it this way. Um, our kindness and our patience toward children come largely from the sense that we're facilitating their learning and growth. She's using this as an example of why don't we try being equally kind with ourselves <laughs> and each other. So now she's speaking about working with children. We set boundaries for a toddler over and over and over. We say, no, don't pull the dog's tail. Don't eat dirt. 
don't pull the table over on yourself. <laughs> don't step off the cliff. Whatever we have to say to a child to keep them safe, we say it. Uh, we may get exhausted, but we understand that this is part of training. And we'll eventually, in the way Domeo is talking about it, be rewarded by seeing the child begin to conduct themselves uh, more safely and appropriately, and ultimately more independently. We are not nearly as patient with each other as adults. And I think we have a tendency to not be quite as hopeful about each other's capacity for learning and growth. And I think it's actually true that adults are a little bit more resistant to change than children are. <laughs> and adults are actually sometimes even dead set against change. But slow change or unlikely change is not the same as no change. So here we are practicing together, making great effort to provide this practice place so that you yourself can find the Buddha way the calmness in activity. Suzuki now again t teaching us the best way to understand yourself is to make this effort. Then you will understand everything. When you try hard to make your own way, you're helping others and you will be helped by others. So making your own way, making our own way body and mind of self and other drop away <laughs> no trace and this no trace is what i would say is uh, identity action we are now no longer other uh, this activity is the activity of our unified activity so i think there is a little bit of resistance on some people's part these days to return to the actual zendo you know why would I make that effort when it's so easy just to slip into the other room and uh, turn on Zoom? You know, it's very easy, almost too easy. So I want to invite you, please, to make an effort one day a week, one evening a week, one day a week, it doesn't matter what day. Make the effort to get physically back to the Zendo. Um, I mentioned this in Arcata. Um, as you know, I teach there as well. And someone there said, oh yeah, it's so worth going back to the Zendo. The Zendo practically sits Zazen for you. <laughs> the relief of just walking into this room that is stable, clean, clear, in the companionship of others. Please give yourself this gift. I'd like to get a sense, you know, Patrick and I have been talking about this for a couple of months now. When is the right time to return on Wednesday evening in particular to in-person practice in the Zendo? So if you are willing to give me an indicator with thumbs up or something like that, or enthusiastic more enthusiastic response if you wish or thumbs down if you're not into it just trying to get a picture a rough idea how many of you would go back to the zendo on a wednesday evening if wednesday evening was open again i'm seeing some 
Yeah. Okay. A little bit. Good. Okay. That gives us a good idea of what our target would be. Thank you. And yes, I know. And for those like Barbara coming from a distance, <laughs> we intend to continue to provide Zoom as an option. I get it that driving for hours to return to Wednesday evening is not an option for some. And for others still, of course, the pandemic is active. And if you're concerned about your own safety and health, of course, please keep taking care of yourself. This was just to give us an idea of really what should we be planning for to serve the community well. So we're patient with each other. This is part of our practice. Please use this as a way of being patient with yourself. Find a way to gradually return to this gift that we continually offer. <laughs> Another person in Arcata was talking about uh, the activity of returning to some in-person contact. And she says, it's better food than food. <laughs> Lots of enthusiasm for those who are ready to return or for those who can return. Yeah. So students who would like to study the way must not wish for easy practice. So please make this effort if it fits for you in your life. And please recognize the gift of this training that we offer, moving as one body, sitting together, being annoyed by each other's heavy breathing or whatever. This is also part of it. This is part of the gift of community practice. I'd like to turn to our uh, opening for conversation. I'm imagining that there might be a little bit of resistance to my invitation. so. Let's have um, some announcements and then I'll stick around for conversation. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. 